Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Uh, Greetings and welcome to this episode of Healing Courageously. And today we're going to continue uh, our discussion around April being the National Child Abuse Prevention Month. And I I really hope that people are are watching this. I know it's a hard subject to talk about and listen to, but um, it's something that is is more prevalent than people want to believe. And and it's... It's something all across America. It's all all around the world. Um, it's nothing to be taken lightly because it does happen. And, you know, one of the beliefs that uh, people have is, well, they'll get over it and it won't affect them. Well, that's a big lie. There are some that will get over it early on, and and uh, that's because they get some the help they need when, when it's early on. And then they're probably going to go on and have a fairly good life. And th- but then there's a lot of people out there um, that it, it, they think they're okay, but when it gets down to it, it's uh, it's affected so many parts of their life in a negative way um, that they, they just don't can't understand it. And it's only when they get to the point of desperation where they, things are falling apart around them that we can sit down and talk and start working through those issues. Um, and it's it's um, it affects marriages. Um, my, my wife and I counsel people, and I would say every marriage can't, couple that we're counseling, at least one or one or both of the, of the spouses have been abused in some way, shape, or form. A lot of them have been, a good majority of them have been sexually abused. I would say re, the reality is, is that at least one of the spouses in every relationship has been sexually abused as a child, and it caught up to them. And it doesn't matter what your geographic is it doesn't matter um your financial status it, it doesn't it it don't care um it, it affects us all so i, I hope that that you you guys are watching these and really paying attention to them i, I don't i'm not just talking about this stuff uh, I, I i'm passionate about it it's real it's out there in the world and i'm going to probably do another uh, separate uh, podcast this week because i've just found out um a couple of things again about you know people raping people and getting off scot-free and there's just a couple of, and it just it just frost my butt because it shouldn't happen so but anyways so i hope that you know you're, you're watching this you take away something I, i'm not this is all stuff that i've not known have a research i've lived it I've, I've worked with a lot of people over the last 16 years so this is all stuff none of this is false this is all true um and, you know, like I said, I think in the last episode or the first episode that of this of this month that statistics are all over the place. And so I don't trust statistics to be to begin with. Um, they can be manipulated in a lot of different ways. So I found a happy medium plus the way I what I've seen working. And that's usually where I, I, I'll end up on my statistics. Um, I will quote the sources that I get stuff from. 
as well uh, whenever possible. So, so today we're going to talk about a couple different things, and, and I want to start it. And I meant to do this on on the last episode. Um, this is something that I don't think people are aware of. So, and that's the cost of society uh, for abuse. And this we're talking. This is mostly sexual abuse. On this, it's from costnoff.com. Social societal cost. Php. According to Kostnov and Fassi, sexual abuse of children, okay, sexual abuse of children, costs America, th- Americans, taxpayers, ninety-four billion. That's with a B, ninety-four billion dollars annually. That's a lot of change. Okay, ninety-four billion dollars annually. The study cites direct costs such as hospitalization, chronic health problems, and law enforcement. A lot of these chronic health uh, health issues that are out there are a result of unresolved childhood trauma. Dr. Uh, Gabar Mate is one that did some studies on that, and he had a he had a group of people that were had chronic illnesses that 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 was his main source of of uh, he was being a doctor dealing with people with chronic uh, illnesses, and he come to find out that every one of those people had unresolved childhood trauma or sexual abuse in their life. Okay. And I know I had some terrible stomach issues since I took care of all this. Indirect costs include juvenile delinquency, special education needs, and criminal behavior. Okay. So there, it, it ties to a lot of different stuff. Right? And, you know, I, I know I hear people all the time when it comes to, to pedophiles and, 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 and uh, rapists and all that. We got to kill them. They, they, they have no place, blah, blah, blah. I, believe me, I understand their angst and their anger. I would go out on a limb and say that most of those people that are talking that way have probably a been abused by themselves, have been abused themselves, or they know of somebody that has abused them, um, because it's 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 a horrific thing that can happen. So, you know, there there was one interview I heard where it was a it was a pedophile, and he says you can't you can't rehab us, you'll never be able to fix us. And I, you know, I, I kind of, I, I, I want to believe that. Um, I, I wish, I wish that wasn't true, but, you know, you know, I'm going to go right from what the source is not that you'll never be able to rehab us. He didn't say me, he said us. So, just be aware of that, the cost of it. I, you know, I, I went through seven years of therapy twice a week, and that was at the age of 49, 40, 49, 48, 49 is when I started. So it's very costly, very costly to the American people, um, to the American people and taxpayers, okay? So I'm going to go through some, some examples of sexual abuse. And remember that sexual abuse doesn't always have to be physical. It doesn't always have to be a touch, but mo- most often it does. It does um, that touch does happen. So uh, some of these are pretty obvious. Um, and so if you got children around trying to don't don't let children listen to this right now. You, that's I'm gonna you I'm gonna let you use your discretion when you talk to your children. But it's worth having having the discussion with. Okay, don't don't ignore these. So uh, one of them is fondling a child's gen- genitals. That's that's pretty obvious. You know that you shouldn't be fondling a child's genitals. Um, it's, it's, you know, some parents will say, well, how else are they going to learn about sex? Well, not, not, not like that. We have the talks with them. Okay. Obviously having intercourse with the child, uh, you know, a lot of this is what happened to me, uh, 
starting at the age of 12 when my, when my uh, perpetrator started doing this stuff to me, right? Having oral sex with a child, having sex in front of a child. Now, you know, my mother and stepfather did that all the time. And I'm telling you, man, I was, I was wigged out. I couldn't figure out what was going on. I tied my head in the corner. We'd be going cross country and, and things would happen. And I'd have to turn my head and act like I was asleep. And my stepfather would look in the rear, rear view mirror and like give me this big grin like this is what it's all about and you know it was confusing so it happened in the hotel rooms you know we're you know traveling across country and my brother and i are in one bed and my mom and him are in another bed and you know it, it, when you're exposed to that kind of stuff as a kid and you know nothing about it, it it's not it's not very fun and it can really confuse you uh, a lot Having a child touch an older person's genitals, you know, that there's, you got to be careful. There's no reason to do that. Of course, incest, masturbation, sexually explicit comments is another way of sexually abusing people, whether it's a child or even a woman or, or a man, using those sexually explicit comments, right? Um, showing X-rated books or movies to a child. Now, Brandy, how can that hurt kids? How can watching an X-rated movie or, or watching a, an X-rated book, how can that hurt a child? I mean, it's going to teach them about sex. It's going to do this, it's going to do that. Well, they don't need to learn about sex that way because that's all it is, is it's sex, unadulterated sex, and the people that are in the movies and the magazines are making hundreds of dollars faking it, okay? Not hundreds of thousands of dollars, I should say. But here's a story, and this is a true story, right? There was a girl, she was four years old, and every day, all that was on TV, almost 24 hours a day, was pornography. This is a true story. 24 hours a day. And then so when she was getting a little bit older and people started molesting her, she just thought that's what she was supposed to do because she'd been exposed to all these pornographic movies and, and magazines. She just thought it was part of life. And that's what happens because our children are watching us and, and their their brains are still forming and, and they're they're well I guess it's just normal. I mean when I was growing up I thought it was, was normal to a certain degree. I thought getting the crap beat out of me was normal. There must have been something wrong with me. I thought the all the abuse was just I guess everybody gets it, you know, but how come I'm getting it worse than the other person? And it's never the child's fault never the child's fault. So a lot of this comes from, um, the source on this is Prevent Child Abuse America, Child Abuse and Overview from C.J. Newton, MA Learning Specialist. Okay, that's where all those figures come from. So what are the effects of sexual abuse? <clears throat> and again, uh, as I go through these, I'll, um, I'll elaborate on some because only, I can tell you that every one of these were, was the issues that I dealt with. One of silence. You just become silent. It, it's there's so much shame attached to it that, you know, you you don't you don't want to talk about it. And not only that, you can't talk about it because a lot of perpetrators. They, there's several different ways to quiet you up. My stepfather just simply said, "Don't tell nobody. This will be our little secret." Well, my dad just died. I'm a 12 year old boy, and I need a dad and figuring a dad's love in my life. My dad just died. He's telling me this is part of, you know, growing up. Don't tell nobody. It's our little secret. What do you think I'm going to do? 
go run to somebody and lose the the the, the other father figure that was stepping into my my life. I mean, so we become silenced. There's 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 threats of death and harm to our family or our pets if we open our mouth, right? Um, people don't want to listen to us. They don't believe us. I mean, I had an incident when <clears throat> we, we moved to Dana Point. It's the first time I really saw the, the rage and, and, the, and the hate and anger from my stepfather. And he literally was tearing apart, our, I mean, tearing the house apart. And I can remember, we lived at Dana Point. I can remember running up and down the street calling my neighbors, call the police, call the police. Every neighbor closed the door in my face. Closed the door in my face. So why would I say anything? Why would I say anything? Another time I said something, I was, I, 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 I literally was, literally, my brother said if he wasn't home, my stepfather would have killed me. But it, my mom ended up calling the police on me. I was 17. I went surfing when I, she told me I couldn't. And I, I admit, I mean, I was being rebellious, but my stepfather was out of town. And we got home that night because she had called the sheriff. Right, and the sheriff, when he came, he tucked me in my room and started talking to me. I says, "You don't understand what it is like living in this house." And he said, "I don't care what it's like living in this house. You're 17. If they tell you to stay in the house until you're 18, you stay in the house. So why would I say anything?" And then later that night, because I had voiced my opinion. Gently with my mother earlier in the day, and a good put on restriction, and then I was almost beat to death that night by my stepfather. And I'm not exaggerating any of this. You need to understand that. So why would I say anything? So silence is a big deal for for survivors of not only sexual abuse but you know emotional abuse and spiritual abuse and physical abuse. Why are you going to say anything? Don't be going to listen to you. Then there's the, the post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Now, before I go any farther, this is something that has to be um, professionally diagnosed in, in you, okay? Most survivors, are, are they struggle with PTSD. Right? It is part of their diagnosis, um, and it takes a lot of work to overcome it. Um, major depression, anxiety disorders, all three of those, I, w- I had a lot of them. And, and so, again, professionally diagnosed, there's um, a couple ways to look at depression and anxiety, but I'm not going to go into that right now. So PTSD, major depression, anxiety, I had all that. And it, and it took meds for several years for me to calm down so I could work on myself. And I'm happy to say that I'm 99, 98% off all my meds, which I'm very happy about. Um, and the only reason I'm not getting off all of them because there's still just that little bit of fear that if I go off of them, and I've tried a couple of times, then my quality of life will change a little bit. So, and yes, I have God in my life and I let him do everything, but, you know, God created, had somebody create those for a reason. So, and I'm, I'm going to say something else real quick too. If you're one of those persons, let's just say if you're in the rooms of recovery in AA and you're one of those old timers out there and you say, are you taking uh, psychotropic meds? Yeah. Well, you're not sober. Do me a favor. Quiet your mouth. You're not a doctor. I'm just going to say it flat out. Quiet your mouth. You're not a doctor. Let the guy, let people 
work with their doctors. They're the only ones qualified to say if somebody should or shouldn't be on meds. I have seen countless people in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, old-timers telling them, you're not sober if you're taking psychotropic meds, only to get off of them and then relapse in a hard, bad way. And some of them don't come back, all right? So let the doctors do the doctor's work, and you just worry about not drinking, okay? I'm, I'm just saying it right up front, because it makes me so mad when I see that, okay? There's my rant for the day. Well, maybe just one. I don't know. Okay. What about anger? You know, anger is a huge issue. But here's the deal that people don't understand. Well, first of all, is it okay to be angry? And the answer is absolutely it's, it's okay to be angry. I mean, if you want to look at, at Jesus, Jesus was extremely angry when he went to the, the temple and all the, and everybody was selling their goods out there. He tore it apart. Okay. But here's what people don't understand is that, well, I'll back a little. Anger is a very healing emotion if it's used properly. And that's the issue is that people don't know how to use it properly. All right. Because usually by the time the anger wants to come out, it's not anger, it's rage. Right. And why? Because a lot of us are told you can't be angry. You can't be angry. Don't be. What do you got to be angry about? Look where you live. You got you have no right to be angry. You do have a right to be angry. But what happens when we constantly hear this, you don't have a right. Then we suppress our anger. And it's suppressed and it's suppressed. And then we're, we're taking on more stuff and more stuff and more stuff. And finally, one day, you, you might have had a couple of drinks. You might have, who knows what. But I know that's what fueled me. And finally, somebody says something and you just don't have no more room. You can't take it no more. And the lid blows off your head. And it comes out as rage, not anger. That is just pure, unadulterated rage. It's okay to be angry. It's just how you use it. And that's a whole other thing we can talk about on a separate uh, podcast. Then there's, along with that, with the rage, right, and the, and the suppressed anger, we have aggressive behavior. Because when we get aggressive, we, 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 a lot of times we go into what we call a rage blackout. Right. And well, we're just we're doing stuff, saying stuff. We don't even know we're doing it. We're just we literally our mind has blacked out. Right? And the behavior is just like out of control. I knew one guy that was on a group uh, years ago that he was several times he would say that he would black out. And when he would come to, there'd be kids, bodies laying all around him, all bloodied up. They weren't dead, but they were beat up pretty bad. And he didn't even know he'd done it. Okay. Poor self-image, right? Um, that's that's another tough one. Poor self-image. I mean, I had a terrible self-image, low self-esteem, low self-worth. You wouldn't know it if you, if you saw me, you know, running a, a million-dollar company, construction company, and the house I have and all the things I used to do. But, man, I was hiding behind a facade. And, and behind that facade was a kid that was just, my self-esteem was as low as it could get. Right? You got guilt and you got shame. Now, <clears throat> what's the difference between guilt and shame? Guilt is I did something wrong. All right, so that, that's that's okay. You're guilt, I, man, I shouldn't have done that. I can't believe I did that. So I feel guilty, but not shameful. Shame is I am wrong. I don't belong here on the earth. I'm a mistake that I was even born. That's what shame says. 
That's exactly what shame says. And we don't, that's not who we are. All right. So guilty. Yeah. Shame. I don't know anybody that, that was born that doesn't belong to be here. Okay. Sorry. I got to log back into my computer. Okay. So, um, So yeah, so so um, the shame, and then you got sexual related problems, and there, there's a lot of problems that are sexually related problems are a result of being sexually abused, and you know I've, I've heard all, all sorts of them. Right? And here, here, here's one that it's really hard, and, and when this happened, when this was said by a guy one day, and it's per this is perfectly normal. In our, in our group, some guy uh, was there, and he was, okay, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. He goes, it felt good. Yeah. Yeah, it felt good. But that that carries that feeling of that it felt good, I shouldn't feel, carries so much shame in it, right? Because it felt good, so I must have wanted it, or I was doing something wrong. Well, the fact is, physiologically, God created us in a way to where we're, when we touch certain areas, it doesn't matter. Our body doesn't know we're being abused or it's just, you know, going to be a, a feel-good time. So we can't ignore that question. We have to make sure we explain it to them. And I watched one clinical director at a local facility when a guy asked that question, and I knew the guy that asked it, ignored his question and walked away and asked somebody else another question. You, you, you can't do that. But that night, that guy, and he was the guy that I was, I was sponsoring at the time, he went home and he wrote a suicide note. And he checked himself in into Oasis Mental Health. Now, thank God, nothing happened. He's okay. He's actually living a really good life right now. He's a great guy. Okay? So these problems create, I mean, this abuse creates all sorts of problems that most people are completely unaware of, and they won't even believe it when it happens, okay? And then one of the, one of the biggest ones exists is trust issues. Man, I tell you what, trust issues are huge. You, you, you become, it doesn't matter when you come to the point of forgiveness, right, which is, is a process, but I've, I've, I've hit it there. But does that mean I'm going to trust everybody again? We're very cautious about who we learn to trust. And you can find out really quick usually who you can and can't trust. Just start talking to somebody about something you really need to talk about. And they start telling you what you need to do. And then they go tell somebody, you know you can't trust that person. So we have to, we, we have to guard ourselves. Something was said to me one time that, that I, I, I forgot about, and I think about it now and then, and that is, somebody asked you about your past or whatever. The question is, what have you done to earn the right to know about my past? Some people will just go telling everybody everything. That's their choice, but that's where people get hurt again. So when it comes to trust, you got to be, be it, well, he don't trust me no more. Well, no, because he was hurt by you. 
and, and maybe it wasn't something directly done by you, but it something you did or said triggered him from something in the past that he's still working on. You, you, you got to remember this. I want to tell you this right up front right now. I don't care what any pastor says from the stage. You don't just get over this. I wish you could. Believe me, I wish you could. All right? This is stuff that takes time because there's stuff in your memory bank that you can't just go gone. It doesn't happen that way. So you have to work working on stuff every single day. You have to be aware. You become aware of what's going on around you. Right? And slowly start trusting people. You know, you can still hang around with people, but there's just, there's certain levels of trust. So buy, take the little bites first. You know, I, I've done that with a lot of people. There's some people I meet on the very first day. I say, I don't trust them for nothing. I just, there's something about them, their energy I won't trust. Maybe down the line, they prove me different and that's okay. All right. But they can prove me different. That, that's, that's great. Um, but. You know, we'll just have to see how that goes. And then I've also, you know, had friends that I can really trust that have broke my trust, not in a big way, that I've, I've had, I, I, wa I walked through it because it wasn't in a big way. And I, you know, I learned how to trust them again. They made a mistake once. It was way out of character for that person. Okay. So these are some of the, the effects um, of, 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 of sexual abuse. Just, just some of them, and they, there's different, there are various, um, various levels of all these things. Okay, now <clears throat> this one is going to be well, it's, I'm, it's signs to look for. Okay, now these signs don't mean that anything's happening to a child. These signs are generally, I want to say, if somebody, if you know, you got somebody that's dressing nice, hanging around the right kids, doing good in school, and then all of a sudden you see a switch in some of these behaviors, you want to really take a hard look and ask, start asking questions of what's going on. Please, these are your children, right? And, and, and almost every person that has been abused, this has been one of their, their telltale signs, okay? One is wearing a lot of baggy clothing, even in the summer. Well, my kid's done that all of his life. Okay, well, cool. That's what he does, fine. But if all of a sudden he starts doing it, and it's 120 degrees outside, 110 degrees outside, got the hoodie over his head, generally what that's saying is, I don't want you seeing my body. I don't want you being attracted to me in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Hiding their face from people, which is part of that cover-up. They can't look up. I couldn't look up for the longest time. I looked down. It didn't matter what I was doing. Talking to people, I'm looking down. Walking, I'm looking down. Everything was looking down. I couldn't look up. I had so much shame. I just, I just, it just didn't work for me to look up. And I can tell you a story. Because right, I, I always like to make sure I put stuff other than me in here. But Kathy and I, we got married, and we were over at a reception, and I'm standing talking to my bride and a couple of people. And 
I look up at the work entrance and the signing table, and my stepfather shows up uninvited. He was not invited to this at all, but he just decided to show up. So I, I think I said hi to him, but what was what was weird about it is this, is that my, cousin, my little cousin Mike, at the time he was about 12 or 13 years old, he walked in behind him, scuffling his feet with his head. He would not look up. His head down, right? And I told my wife, told Kathy, I go, that SOB got my got my cousin. He molested my cousin, and I, and I knew it. But it was a wedding day. I wasn't going to say nothing. So fast forward, some some thirty six years, thirty seven years later, when I when I was finally able to um, reunite with my sister in law, his one of two of my sister in laws, and one was his mom. He had been molesting my cousin at that point in time. See, so if you if you suspect something, you know, don't just idly sit by. All right, now my cousin is going through hell right now. He's forty some years old, and he's he's and he, and another one of my cousins he did the same thing too, and both of them are going through hell right now. Drugs, alcohol. They're in a bad spot. Because how do I, you know, who was I going to say anything to? I didn't know. It was my wife. It was our wedding. Now I wish I would have called my sister-in-law, even though we were estranged at the point in time. I said, hey, you might want to watch your son. So please, pick up the phone, man. If If you think it's happening, call the authorities and let them figure it out. I always look at it this way. Yeah, maybe maybe the kid's mom and dad or some. Maybe they're your best friends. I don't know, right? But would you rather? And if you call the authorities, they're going to be fuming, pissed off at you. Okay. Or the, or they're either going to be really grateful that you did one of the two. But I would rather have them fuming pissed off at me and have it be true. I don't want nothing to be true. You know, have them be fuming pissed off at me than have that child go through any any kind of harm. Let that child get help if they need to. Or fuming pissed off and nothing came of it. It's just like if somebody says they're going to commit suicide, I go through a series of questions. I, 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 I either make the call or I don't. I'm on a side on the air of I'm on a side on the air of on the side of caution, air on the side of caution, and call the authorities because I would rather have him and his family pissed off at me than I call the police or the, or the authorities than to live with the guilt. I knew he was going to do it. I did nothing about it. It kills us all. We have to stop being so complacent when it comes to our children. It's just we can't be can't be playing these games. This is this is a serious life or death matter, not physically all the time. It can be, but definitely emotionally and spiritually. They feel dirt. They they feel dirty and do not want to bring attention to their body. Again, that's one reason for the the heavy clothes. Um, they don't. So, yeah, they some people don't want to shower. Uh, I don't know why they wouldn't, but they don't. But a lot of people take prolonged showers. 
trying to wash all the filth off of them. And, and I can tell you right now that there's times, man, you, that the filth that you feel as a survivor is utterly disgusting. It, it's like it's never going to come off. They avoid, oh, walk, walking with a head ha hanging low, okay? They don't, they can't look you in the eyes because they're afraid if you, if you see in their eyes, you're going to see the pain in their eyes. I didn't used to be able to look in the eyes. Now when I go speak somewhere, I can look right in the eyes of whoever I'm talking to. And I never used to be able to do that. I'm still working on talking to you guys in the camera here. I have to really force myself to look up, so. Um, and I, I don't know, it's always been a problem when I'm doing this stuff, but um, they avoid the eye contact, right? And the other thing is sudden change in behavior, right? And a change in friends. I mean, why all of a sudden is he hanging out with these guys compared to the guys he was hanging out with and he was doing good in school and his behavior was good. All of a sudden he's hanging out with his new crowd and his behaviors aren't exactly the best. Every changing about him. Again, these are just signs to look for. And if, if you see them, then just be aware and maybe start asking some questions. Okay? They lose interest in sports and hobbies. I did that. I love baseball. I love playing the guitar in high school. I quit them both. And I just, one reason I had no support, but I just lost interest in it because it didn't seem like anybody else cared what I did, so why should I? What I did do is I did surf because I was a place of solace and those were the guys I could get high with and do all that kind of stuff and they weren't judging me. At least not for my face. Um, grades start slipping. And I went from an A student to pretty barely graduating from high school. All that self-esteem and self-worth. Self There's so much more to this than, than, I, than I can talk about in this, in this, in this podcast, but Addiction is an ugly thing, and there's always something attached to it that's causing it. It's, I want you, I want you all to remember, your parents or whoever you are, that the alcohol, the drugs, the sex, all any of the isms, right? Uh, pornography, overeating, over, over again, all that. That's not the problem. That's the symptom of much greater unresolved underlying issues, unresolved childhood traumas. You need to understand that. You're not. That's all you're seeing is a symptom of a problem that needs needs to be addressed deeply. Okay. So the grades start slipping, right? starts drinking and drugging. And I know I'm going to say this, and I'm, I, if I offend somebody, I do. That's okay. But I know with legal marijuana, it's not a it's not a gateway drug, and yes, it is, whether you want to admit it or not. A lot of parents are smoking weed now because you can just go down the street and buy it. And the kids are seeing it. All of a sudden, grades start slipping. Things start changing. Maybe mom and dad need to go look in the mirror because they're setting the example. I'm, just, I'm being a cold, cold stone honest on this. Our kids are watching us and everything we do. They don't. You could tell them not to do whatever you want them not to do. But what are you doing? Because that's what they're going to do. You need to understand that. Um, and then cutting and self-mutilation. Self-mutilation. Those are 
two things because they can deal with the they can deal with the pain of the physical pain more than the emotional pain. I so it gets them out of the emotional pain so they're gonna cut. So if a child's cutting, there's something going inside. They're not cutting just because everybody else is doing it. If everybody else is doing it, there's a reason why they're doing it. Because they got some emotional pain going on that they can't deal with. So they'd rather deal with the physical pain. And it's a way of getting attention. What are you doing? Why are you cutting yourself? You might want to go look in the mirror. You might want to start asking questions instead of accusing. That's thing you can do is get really, really curious. When your kids are speaking to you, listen with a ton of curiosity. Don't listen with your mind already made up with what you think they're doing or what you think they're going to say. You're not that smart. Listen with curiosity and then ask curious questions instead of accusations, instead of accusational questions. Well, it's just a question. Well, how are you asking the question? There's Accusational questioning, too. Ask curious questions. Okay? They're your, they're, they're your children, for God's sake. All they want to do is they want to be loved and they need guidance. Okay? As I said, I, you know, it's, I don't apologize for any of this because I, I, I just have a, a passion for it and I've seen too much damage done to kids. I've seen too many teenagers sit down with them. I've seen the damage that mom and dad have done to them. See, they won't, they won't go to mom and dad and say nothing because they're afraid to. But when they have the chance to talk to somebody that will just listen to them, they'll open up. Okay? So I want to I close with this little tiny, this is a... A quote from Dr. Gavar Mate, one of my, my favorite guys, says, trauma is not what happened to us. Trauma is what happens to us on the, trauma is what happens to us on the inside of us. So the event itself, that's not the trauma. It's the effects of the event that's traumatic to us. So think about that. Okay. So, um, like I said at the beginning, I, I hope you guys are, are just taking some of this stuff and just, you know, store it, file it somewhere in your brain. Pay attention, please. You know, our, our kids today, are, they're so broken. Um, and it's like all they want is attention. You know, and you got to remember, there's a lot of people out there sex trafficking kids, and they know exactly what they're looking for, and they know exactly how to get them. And don't let your kids become one of those, okay? Please, don't don't let those kids. You know, I don't want to hear, well, my parents did it to me, and I'm okay. Well, mm, I've had several conversations when, with people like that, and by the time we get done talking, they understand what went wrong. So you can get my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within, Healing the Wounded Child Within, uh, paperback, Kindle, and Audible. My, my 30-day devotional to wholeness is on Kindle and paperback, and seven-day challenges on paperback. 
all of them are, are on Amazon, okay? And I've been talking about my book being translated into Spanish. I finally have a date I'm going to meet with them. It'll be, next, be this coming Friday, the 22nd, so I'll get the first breakdown, and I just got to go have it formatted. So it's coming. It's just when people do stuff for you pro bono, we have to be patient and understand that they're doing it. They're, they're taking their time. So um, I appreciate everybody that helps me out here. So, if, uh, remember that if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. More importantly, God does. And thanks, thanks for joining us on this episode. And next, uh, next week we will conclude this, um, this month of the National Child Abuse uh, Prevention Month. Talk about uh, some ways we can help, some good ways that we can help. Because that's, that's what the key is, is what's a solution? And the solution is not easy. Um, I'll just be touching on some easy points, some quick points that we can that you can do. And we'll just go from there. All right. So we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. We couldn't do this without you. And remember, God loves you. Welcome to the Healing Courageously. This has been Healing Courageously with Randy Boyd. We will have a new episode every Monday. Please like us on iTunes or Google Play. If you would like to know more about the services available from Randy, please visit him at changeyourlifestorynow.com. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll see you next week. And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. <laughs>